You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, hey, it's Bridget here. Kiata Mincy Parker brings a diverse background of over 20 years in the food service industry that molds hotel experience and fine dining with the fast pace of dance clubs. Thrillist named her one of the female bartenders you must know along with the Tastemakers Top 50 list. Currently, you can find her partnering with some of the country's most influential spirit brands, chefs, home bartenders, and farmers to bring her message of creating picture-perfect cocktails. Kiata shares her good work and focus on a sip of paradise, a 501c3 nonprofit bartender community garden based in Atlanta, and the Gym Project, her foundation that focuses on training young ladies back home in Liberia in hospitality and bar culture as an alternative to prostitution and other unhealthy ways to make a living. Not only is Kiata inspiring, she is also an all-around amazing human being. Grab your favorite El Tesoro cocktail and enjoy the show. Yata, welcome to Served Up. I am really excited to have you on the show today. Yay. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Can you tell our listeners a bit about how you got your start in the beverage world? So long ago, oh, 20 years ago. <laughs> um, so I think the easiest way to say it is that my journey as far as me stepping into bartending was after I had had my um first stop my first child. Um, and that was 2000. Ooh, I think it was 2002. Yeah, it was 2002. But before that, I had always worked in hospitality. My first job, I was a hostess at Pofolks. Yes, back when they called it Pofolks. Um, and then I kind of just grew through there. I ended up also working at Red Lobster. And then eventually, I worked at Copeland's and Buckhead, which is where I cut my teeth as far as bartending. So I just had um, my daughter um, and I came back from maternity leave in October. It was, I was back in October of 2020. Ooh, no, 2002. Jeez, I'm old. <laughs> 2002. And um, my GM was like, hey, I think you can make a lot of money if we make you the daytime bartender for lunch. You will have a set schedule. And you won't have to work weekends and you can be home. You can still work, make money and be home with your child at night and have a, some kind of regular schedule. And I was like, oh, OK. But then my concern was that I had only served in like, you know, the key employee, takeout, hosted, serve only those basic things. I had never bartended before. So my concern was like, I didn't think I could do it. So my GM goes, I'll be honest, the hardest part about bartending is learning the recipes, which is really nothing. Because if you can multitask, engage your guests, like you can see a bunch of stuff happening and you can do damage control. If you can remember orders, the easiest part, like you already have those things. These are, those are things that people can't, you know, you can't fake those things. And then you also have qualities like you're a team player, you work hard, you show up on time. You can't, those are things you can't teach people. You already have those skills. So he really gassed me up, but I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to remember so many recipes and this is this. And, you know, and it's all really about people. It's about talking to people and seeing what people enjoy and want and what you can do to make their day better. That's really what, that's the simplest part of all of this. I hope I answered the question. I tend to ramble. No, you totally did. You totally did. I mean, <laughs> hospitality, it's about humans, right? It's about mm -hmm. our connection. And so from there, how did we get to where you are today? So a couple of things happened. So moved forward, um, had another child, went through a divorce, 
lost um, when just trying to shift out of that space. I actually ended up getting fired from the job that I had because I just was so upset one day. We got slammed at work. Like it was a random afternoon. It was some multiple con- um, like conventions or something in town. We got slammed and the manager on duty was in the office crying because her boyfriend was breaking up with her. So after we all went down in flames and it was a fucking disaster, when we came out, I, I went to the office and I cursed her out so bad. I followed her around the kitchen and cursed her out. And my GM, the one, my mentor, Glenn Helmsetter, the one who just gave me all these words, it really hurt him to fire me. But his thing was that I don't think you can learn anything more here. He was like, I understand your rage, but I don't think... Your approach was terrible. Your execution in that situation was terrible. And he was like, I don't think you can learn anything. I don't think we can give you anything more here. And that's kind of how I got fired. And of course, I was like, F you. I don't need this bullshit. Knocking stuff on the way out, blah, blah, blah. I felt crazy. But I just went back and forth and worked at different restaurants and um, tried to go back to school and just tried to do all these different things to find myself because I was spiraling out of control. I was in the middle of going through a divorce. I was, I had to move back home with my mother. Oh God, can you, do you know how that feels once you've been living on your own and you have to go back home? I cannot imagine. I can't, <laughs> I can't. My mom is this strong Italian woman and I love her to death. She lives on the street, but there's no way in hell. There's, it would just be very hard. Yes. My heart goes out to you. It'd be very hard. <laughs> so that was um, that was kind of what I was doing. And then I ended up getting back into, I finally was like, you know what? I'm comfortable in service industry. It makes sense. It makes money. I worked corporate for a while, but I don't conform well. So it, it, that didn't work out either. I don't, um, I, I, you know, I trust God blindly. I don't trust humans blindly, you know? So you're telling me, yes, I need you to do this, this, and this. Okay, great. Why? just do it. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> tell me more. But, um, especially if it doesn't make sense, but, um, I started working at a restaurant called Trois and, um, it was really great because it was in, it was in the city. It was a French restaurant. It had an award award-winning chef. It was just this amazing bar program. And I really just went in to be a hostess. And I ended up, especially once my ex-husband and I had figured out custody stuff, I hosted during the day and then I cocktailed at night, which I enjoyed cocktail waiting. It was all the benefits of being a bartender, but not really having to make the drinks because you still engage your guests with cocktail knowledge and suggestions and telling them what stuff was. But I wasn't physically making their drinks, which was which was good. I'm there. I'm working. I'm loving it. And the person I was running the bar program then was um, Eric Simpkins. And he was under the direction of Linda Torres. But Eric was just watching me and he was like, you know, I was one of the few cocktail waitresses that already knew about spirits because before at Copeland's, I bartended. So I didn't know um, some of the really, really intricate stuff like foreign or more boutique stuff, but I knew a lot about flavor profiling, what to kind of, what to direct someone to if they weren't there. Also, Twa was one of those restaurants. It was very intimidating. So it could be intimidating for young people. And I know it's definitely intimidating for people of color to walk into this place and see all these things and want, not want to feel like they don't belong. So I think the fact that I touched every table, every section I had, I touched every table. Like I sat with you, I talked with you. If, you know, just to make you feel comfortable and that you were with friends so you can enjoy yourself and have your drinks. But there are a lot of things on that menu that people didn't understand, but I, I made it a point to, to make people feel engaged and make people understand. Like, I'll be honest, since I don't know what such and such is, well, what do you drink? You know, it's kind of one of those things you do, you, you get, you give to get and you get to give, like kind of that whole back and forth. Um, but Eric used to watch me and he was like, why don't you let me train you? And I'm like, yeah, I bartended before. It was fine. And also with Copeland's, there were times I worked some of the um, some of the weekend parties and those were lit. Like you could leave with five, six hundred dollars cash. And that was that's not even credit card money. That's cash. And that was two thousand. 
that was like 2004. No, that was like 2005, 2006. Like that's the kind of money you were making. So of course it was fast. It was Long Island Nice Teas, um, Pina Coladas, because of course we had a we had a um, a blending like a machine. An island oasis. Oh, yes. that was a death of me. I swear. <laughs> On any night, you could be making twenty pina coladas extra strong, whatever that means. <laughs> but Eric kept following me and just like, "Hey, I really think you should let me train you." And I was like, "I don't want to do this." And he would. And it was one day he looked at me. He was like, "There's not women that look like you doing what I do at this level, and I think this is an opportunity." And I'm sitting here like, it's just bartending. It's just service. Like, what? I don't even understand what that means, but that kind of sparked something in me. And I was like, okay, fine. Because it's rare that your mentor will chase you to mentor you. Usually you come to someone and ask them to mentor you, right? So I was also intrigued by what does this man see in me? I'm just trying to make money, feed my kids and keep it moving. I'm not trying to do anything to get attached to anything. And that was the thing, just coming off a divorce. I didn't, I didn't want to be attached to anything. You know, I just wanted to do my best and get the hell out of my mama's house. That was pretty, that was it. (laughs) I feel you. But um, he trained me and it's crazy because the first two weeks I didn't touch anything. I followed him with a notebook. That's how pretentious and douchey this whole thing was like. And just even now in my career, I don't like to I don't like to flex that part because I feel like it comes across as, you know, pretentious or arrogant and all these things. And really in in the art of service, we're here to make our guests feel important and special. I'm not here to be like, actually, sir, I don't want to hear that shit. If people are giving you your money. Do what the hell they want you to do for that tiny window that you have with them and keep it, well, you know, sh- short of, you know, being a whore or something. Well, I don't know. You do what you do, but, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it just went from there. And when Twa um, took on, when Concentrix, the parent group took on um, a property downtown, the Glen Hotel. I was part of the transition team that went there, and that was June of twenty of two thousand nine. And then a year later, Marriott acquired it as part of their autograph collection. So the Glen Hotel um, downtown is part of the Marriott autograph collection, and I ran that program for like four or five years. But I came in as part of the trainer for bar and cocktail and cocktail waitresses. It was really great. And everything just kind of went from there. But I didn't really start. And the thing is, people are like, oh, you know, you I didn't know you've been bartending this long and stuff. I've been bartending for a long time, but I didn't really start getting any kind of um, recognition as far as a trajectory for anything outside of bartending till 2015 when um a woman by the name of Tiffany Barrier, who had been stalking me, um, friendly stalking me, um, because she was putting together, once she was looking for more, she was looking for more female Black bar friends. She she really was, because especially doing what she does, you know, she's usually the only one in the room. So to, to be around more and stuff was something she was seeking anyway. So she put together, she stalked a couple of us. It was me, um, Sadi Adin, Tokiwa Sierras, um, Keisha Cyrus, um, myself and Tiffany, the five of us, she pitched us for an article for Tales of the Cocktail called Five African African American Women um, Causing the Stir in Atlanta or something like that. And this article changed everything. But it also started a lifelong friendship with these ladies because Above all, we're actually friends. Like we all just hung out for Sadia's birthday in February. Like we were just, you know, we're just all these things. And our group has grown from the five of us to seven of us now. So on top of those five ladies, there's Tommy Walton and then there's Shannon Evans. And we're called Drinking with the Girls. So we're kind of like just a girl gang of shenanigans and we do fun stuff. You know, we don't do as much if we want to because everybody's trajectory is a little bit different, but we do fun stuff. Well, talk to me just about, you know, once that article came out in 2015 and you said it was really life changing. Well, what changed? What happened? Where did it take you? 
when the article came out, so a lot of people don't know this, but there was a point where I was um, working on film and television. I was doing hair, makeup and wardrobe. And that was kind of my back and forth between bartending and stuff. I was trying to do a lot of stuff to survive, especially being um, a single divorced woman um, with two small children. Gotta do what you gotta do. And the film stuff was really accelerating to the point that I was working on an LGBTQ web series. It won an award. I had gotten producer credit for it. But film money and bar money are totally different. Film money takes time. Bar money you get that night. So I had to make a, a decision to pause on that. So that was right around the time the article came out. The article came out and all of a sudden, people were just reaching out to me. And then after that, I got another article. The writer for that article was Mike Jordan. He is just this powerball, short guy, hilarious, cocktail geek. And he's one of those people like when he discovers a new liquor, he wants to call all his bar friends. Oh my God, I just tried this. Have you heard of this? And we're like, yeah, um, relax. Yes. (laughs) But he did an article like, a month after that article came out, another one came out and um, Mike wrote it. And it was about five, um, five women in the Atlanta barn scene that you need to know, something like that. And Madison Brunch was the front person for it. And she's actually in New York right now doing her own thing. But it was crazy after that. And then next thing you know, I'm getting invited to go to Charleston to work food and wine. Um, Tiffany and I get closer in our relationship. And it occurs to me, she's the She's doing a lot of traveling and all these things, but she's doing it by herself, meaning she drives by herself. She unloads all her stuff by herself. She like she's doing all this stuff by herself. And I was like, why are you by yourself doing this? This is a lot. I was like, if you give me notice, I can come with you. So I started tagging along with her and just coming out to help her. Just, you know, to get free booze and some snacks and stuff. You know, it turned into people always seeing us together. And then we became a set. So wherever she was. Apparently I was too. And it just, it exploded from there. It just really grew even more. So we're going to tales back and forth. We are doing presentations at um, Essence, um, Essence Festival, like a drink demo, like just these little things. And most times I just happened to be next to her. I wasn't even really doing anything, but I was her sound box. I was like, protecting her and just in being in that realm so many people saw me and wanted to hire me for different things can you run my bar program can you do this can you create a cocktail for that and it just exploded and again this is nothing I thought I would be doing like this it is quite a story so that really brings us up to today can you talk a bit about how you made it through um, the pandemic that we're you know coming out of Mm-hmm. and where you are today. So today is, um, again, dramatically different from how everything started. Today, I don't work behind bars anymore, but it's not because I don't want to. It's because I don't have to, um, which is a wonderful feeling when you don't have to do something. Um, I was a finalist for Bombay Sapphire's Most Imaginative Bartender, Um the competition started in 2021, I'm sorry, in 2019. And the finals, I made it to the top 12. And I ended up coming in either second or third. But along that journey, we had to come up with a canvas project to kind of um, what your creative outlet was outside of work outside of bartending. What do you do for fun? For some people, it's reading, it's going to museums, it's photography, it's music. For me, it's my culture as a Liberian woman, as well as, you know, gardening. It's something that's nostalgic. I did it with my grandmother. Um, my husband and I are, were, neighbor, were members of the community garden around the corner from the home, so it's something familiar for me. My aesthetic, as far as making cocktails, I like making fresh and clean cocktails. You know, I like bright, vibrant. If I make something stirred and boozy, that's because someone's making me do it. A lot of times I like bright effervescence because personally, I like to day drink. I like to I like to be flirted all day with this cocktail. I don't want to have a few old fashions and I'm out. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do know what you mean. <laughs> 
I feel like people feel that way trying to improve. Oh, I can, I can drink it under the table. You don't have to. It's fine. But it's okay. It's okay. Not a competition. I just want to feel good. That's it. Um, so fast forward. We go to London. We're there for a whole, a whole week, enjoying, learning more, all this other stuff. And in the downtime while you're prepping for the finals, which were February of 2020, I'm putting together this project. My project was to have a bartender's community garden. And it exploded. So before I left to go to Chicago for the finals, I already acquired land. I set up a website. I got an accountant. I had a board of directors. I had a staff. My husband, who is an amazing artist, had sketched out, for the most part, what it would look like. Um, A really good friend of mine, Emily Mitchell, Emily helped put together the dimensions of what some of that might look like. Like they they helped me put together a whole plan. I had a package. Um, February, 2020, we get there. I didn't win. I ended up coming in second or third. I did win the botanical challenge, which was pretty impressive. Um, it was almost like bartender chopped. So crazy. Remind me to tell you about that later. Like running through the, um, running through the whole room. Just, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but, um, today I run that garden that I started that I had no funding for. I didn't even win the money. I just had a plan and a bunch of friends. And it was really great because the simple plan of me wanting to play in the dirt with my friends turned into what my life is today. That is an incredible and a really a beautiful contribution um, to our beverage community. Can you tell our listeners um, where the garden is? If there if there's a bartender listening, you know how can they participate and where can they find you? Absolutely. So the bartender, the bar is called the Bartender's Garden. So the Bartender's Garden is actually called a Sip of Paradise Garden. It is located in East Atlanta Village in Atlanta. The only requirement to be a part of it or to be a member of that garden is to have been a bartender at some point in your life. So we are a nonprofit, so we rely solely on um, donations and grants and our membership dues. The season, which is really perfect, the season actually starts April 1st. And we had a massive donation from a big liquor brand. And it it helped us in our third year going in. We're able to redo all of the beds and everything. But um, we have social media. So if anybody wants to follow that, A Sip of Paradise Garden, or if you Google it, you can find it. But um, we're a co-op now. We used to be an allotment style garden. So now we're more of a co-op buy-in meaning that you pay your membership dues and you have, and you're a part of this welcome society of bartenders and friends and support from April to December and longer if people choose to stay in touch with each other. But we have very intentional programming. We have mindful Mondays, meaning we have um, yoga, Pilates, breath work, walking tours, all these different things on Mondays. And then we have workshop Wednesdays where different brands or say my garden director, Rory Robinson, say Rory wants to do a composting class. That's a workshop. Or my marketing manager, Stephanie Saputo, who's obsessed with pickling, by the way, she loves pickling. She wants to do a pickling class. Those things will happen on Wednesday. And most of this could be sponsored by brands or different people, you know, who want to help us invest in ourselves. And then we also have Thirsty Thursdays. So we sit next to a farmer's market. So you have to walk by us to get to the market. So we have a little table that's out there and we offer cocktails, mocktails and herbal water because in the garden, we grow a lot of herbs. And we always offer a mocktail as well because we never really want any, we don't want people to feel like they have to drink just to hang out with us. You know what I mean? Because nobody needs that kind of pressure. This is a, we need to keep this as pressure-free as possible. But we are offering those for a donation because again, we are a nonprofit. But and also feel like, you know, you got a little something in your hand. You might spend a little bit more at the, you know, buy another dozen of eggs. I don't know. You might make a potato <laughs> or something. I don't know. I'm trying to help you. So so those are the things, but we are all community focused. We we want everybody to hang out with us. We also, 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 also want bartenders to understand that. They can have a sense of ownership and they can have an investment in their wellness in themselves by being a part of this, you know, and we offer these activities and it's free for our members, but the community is welcome to come as well. We just ask for like a $5 donation. You know, it's not much. We're not trying to get rich. I'm just, 
I just want to keep this going and I want to put it in other cities. And we've had offers and it really just blew up bigger than I ever thought this would blow up. It, it still blows me today. Like, geez, all this started with one drink on a contest I didn't even want to do. And look where we are now in the middle of a pandemic. Oh my gosh. And it is truly, it sounds like you're, you're leaving a legacy is what you're doing. I want to you know that that's what it sounds like. And, um, can you just take it back way back? Because something that you mentioned was your grandmother mm-hmm. and that she really sparked that interest for you in, in gardening. Did she, can you talk just, can we give her like a little bit of love here and maybe tell us her name and what she grew in her garden? And some of the tips or tricks that maybe she had taught you for gardening. So this is my mom's mom. So she's my American grandmother. Her name is Mrs. Ruth Poitras. And it's funny because we both have the same birthday, July 14th. Um, My mom is from LaGrange, Georgia. So if anybody knows where LaGrange is, it's about 20 minutes from Phoenix Phoenix City, Alabama. So it's, it's Southern. My grandparents um, raised my mom and her siblings on a farm. So a lot of it was more so me out there running and playing and frolicking. So I was in charge of picking the pecans. I was in charge of not eating her blackberries, which I always ate anyway and always got busted. You know, my grandmother wasn't the most, she wasn't the necessarily the warmest person, but she never let anything happen to you. And I also think it was probably, the, the, she's a product of the generation that she was in. So she wasn't a super overly affectionate person, you know what I mean? But, you know, just being out there and doing these things and trying to impress her because she was like, hey, go ahead and do this for me. And, you know, you want to do the best job you can so someone can give you a little shred of a pat on the back or something. So I think that's more so of the relationship we had, but I know I was probably one of her favorites because before she passed away, because she, um, when I would come to visit her, she always cooked for me. Like even towards the end when she had her oxygen tank and herself, she will always fry me some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a wonderful woman. Um, is she, she also, is she also the one who taught you about flavor? She did. Okay. So she did. She was a crazy and unique cook. She <laughs> she used to make turtle stew and she went fishing and she was just this pioneer woman. She went fishing. She did all these things. And she was also the mother of nine. She was the mother of nine of nine people coming in and out of her body. That's crazy. And then even still, she adopted her sister's child. So she, she raised all these people. But what I learned from her was preservation because she saved everything. Even like all this, like after she passed away and we're cleaning up her house, there were jars and jars of canned food under her bed, the stuff that she had done over this time. And she just preserved all this stuff. Um, So as far as flavors, I did learn flavors from her because she was a really great cook, especially Southern cuisine. But she also appreciated stuff. And she was just this quirky lady. Like she left me when she passed away, she left me all her jewelry. And there was some really cool stuff. And there was also a pair of earrings that twirled in church. So she (laughs) she was a hoot. She was a hoot. And I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot from both my grandmothers. Because even my father's mother in Liberia, she had a little patch garden as well. And my grandmother on my mom's side, she grew to survive. That's how she fed her her family. My grandmother, my grandmother from my father's side, she grew things more for her, like she grew flowers. She wasn't necessarily growing stuff to eat because she had to feed her children and all this other stuff. She grew what she grew because she enjoyed it. Now she did have, you know, we in Liberia, it's a lot of fresh markets. There's not necessarily grocery stores. So we got a lot of fresh food, but my grandmother didn't rely on it like that on growing her own food, like my grandmother here did. So I learned stuff from both, from both of them, actually. Do you pass on like all these great gardening wisdom, let's say, to your children? Are they interested in what you do? I mean, I can tell you, I have an 18 year old daughter who just thinks I'm completely lame. So I just wondered if you could tell me a different story. Uh, mom to this, mom. The, the story is not necessarily different because I have a 19 year old daughter in college who definitely thinks I'm lame. 
excuse me, but it's okay. It's okay because she's lame too. Like my, my daughter, she knits for fun. Um, and then I have a 16 year old son, but I am telling them these things now, because like you said earlier, I want to leave a legacy behind. My father left a legacy for me and the work and stuff he did, as well as my mother. My mother's an amazing person. She's all about family, loyalty, you know, just family first, period. But I just want to share these things with my children because there was a point in my life that I was working so much, I barely saw them. But I do say during this time, especially with the pandemic, when you're forced to be together, you're forced to get to know each other all over again. Because for so long, I worked so hard so they wouldn't have to want anything. But I feel like it would have been different if they just had me more in their lives. So I took the opportunity now. So I'm doing it now. I didn't always do it. I do it now. And they're very interested, especially when the whole garden started. That Between them, my husband and my friends that were out there, they were all out there weeding, digging, building. Like when we redid these beds, my um, son actually redid some of the metal beds that are in there now. So I want them to understand that, you know, hard work pays off. And if you really focus and you do the right thing, you can get everything you really want or everything you're supposed to have. I'll say that because a lot of times the things you really want are really good for you anyway. So I feel like if you instill these messages in them, especially when they're early, especially ownership, um, just being able to build your own thing. Like if you don't see something created. I didn't see a, a space for my friends and I to just be ourselves and, and just be able to take care of ourselves and be on our own time, not having, you know, a bargain scream at you or have someone mansplain to you why this drink doesn't taste the way it Like it's all these different things. So I created it, you know, and I just want people to feel like, you know, if you don't see something, make it. Yeah. Create it yourself, create your own space. I just love your mission and what you're putting out there for the community. And just, you know, mom to mom, because, you know, I too, I, I've been in the industry for a very, very long time. Um, I think 28, 28 years, maybe for, you oh. know, for a long time. So that's, and that's I, not that long. <laughs> drop in the bucket. But, um, but I do understand what it's like to raise um, someone while you're working so hard in this industry. And our industry is so different and so unique than um, than most others, you know, it's just not clocking in and clocking out and maybe sitting at a desk when you're behind. And I'm talking about the time when you were behind the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk our listeners that are mothers or, or fathers, you know, with young children in our industry and just maybe give them some advice? Yes. First because thing, it's okay. hard. It's very hard. So um, it's four super major things for me. One, don't lie to your kids. Kids aren't stupid. If you work in liquor, they need to know you work in liquor. You don't need to sugarcoat and they need to be firm in it because there will be times that they're going to have to defend you. There will be. So don't lie to your children. Number two, it takes a village. Like nobody can do this by themselves. I can't, when I tell you, one of my younger cousins, Morgan, Morgan was instrumental. Morgan was a teenager when all this was going on. So Morgan literally babysat my kids and Morgan, I paid Morgan. I would pick her up, drop her off, all these different things. My mom, as even a strong world mother as I had, my mom made sure those kids were washed, fed, whatever. And even though I went through a whole divorce and everything, my ex-husband and I, we're a unit. We didn't work out as husband and wife, but we are great fucking parents. So we lean on each other. Like you just, you need a system. So that's number two. Be honest with your job. When I tell you there were times that my ex-husband and I couldn't coordinate our schedule, I had them damn kids with me at work. They were in the kitchen, rolling silverware if they were bored, doing their homework. Everybody watched my children. And I know a lot of people was like, well, maybe because... It seems like you're not a such and such mom or you. the people around you are the people that work with you that you have in your bubble anyway. If they see the human side of you as far as being a parent and understanding, you can get more support that way. And when I tell you, my kids, the few times that not well, quite a few times, actually, that they were at the Glen in the um, in the kitchen area, please. The chef fed them. 
when they were trying to do their homework, the hotel people, like there was one of my favorite front desk persons. He will put them in like a room. He's like, yeah, they're in the room. I'm going to check on them in a few hours, make sure they're doing their homework. Like people, you, you know, all these people are doing this stuff for you. So use your network. And the fourth thing, do not lose yourself because if you're not strong and ready to go, whatever that looks like for you, you're not going to be able to take care of these babies. So don't lose yourself in it. So even if it means you have people watch them and you go get a massage or you go sit in Piedmont Park and drink a beer, whatever, whatever you need to, don't lose yourself in the stress of your job and your circumstances. I cannot stress that enough because if they don't have you, they're not going to have anything. So they need the best possible you that you can give them, whatever that looks like. That's really great advice and advice that I wish I would have had you know, um, me too. <laughs> early ages, early stages of being a mom when everything is so completely overwhelming. And even now it can be overwhelming at times. Yeah. Can you talk to me a bit about mentorship? Cause I know that you mentor quite a few people. And like you mm-hmm. said, you have mentors yourself. Can you um, define what a mentor is to you and how to seek out a mentor? A mentor for me is somebody that is genuinely invested in you. A mentor is someone that doesn't necessarily tell you what to do or tell you how to do it, but just tells you, you know, just tells you and allows you and gives you the space to make your own decisions because I'm a very, 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 very hard-headed person. So (laughs) you can't tell me, you're not going to tell me anything. You know, I do like when the facts are put out for me and I can make my own choices so I can feel like I have a shred of control in something, which a lot of times I really don't anyway. But I feel that a mentor is someone that's just there, whether you can spitball ideas on them, whether it's work stuff, personal stuff. I think I'm a mentor and it's not a friend or a mentor is just that person for you that's interested in you with no attachments. And I think that's where the problem is when you have family members or friends or these different people mentor you. There's some kind of attachment as opposed to having a mentor that's someone that's just, just interested in you and this part and understands all this other stuff with you. For me, I, I didn't think I had anything to offer people mentoring. So when people will come to me, oh, Key, can you mentor me? And I'm sitting here like, mentor you on me? Really? Okay. But it's also one of those things people don't necessarily ask me the right questions. So when people interview me, ask me the right questions, they're like, I had no idea. It's also one of those things I don't necessarily volunteer stuff to because I don't I don't know that I have to volunteer. I don't know. But I feel like if you're looking for a mentor, I think you need to see if the lifestyle and what this person is putting out is something you're interested in. Like I feel like if someone is genuinely interested in you know, philanthropy work, um, some of the stuff I'm doing and kind of my journey, I, I feel like I'll be a fit for that person. But if there's somebody that's trying to be like, yeah, Kiata Mincy Parker's my mentor, blah, 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 but you're not, you're wasting all of our time. And the thing is like, I don't have a lot of time for a lot of time. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very, my time is very sacred to me because I still want to have my cuddle time with my husband. I want to be able to pick on my children. I want to be able to shoot the shit with my friends. I want to be able to drink by myself. I have a lot of things I want to be able to do, you know? So I don't have a lot of space for people that steal my time. But I feel like if you're looking for a mentor, you know, a closed mouth won't get fed. If you ask somebody and they say no, it's okay. Somebody else will say yes. And, you know, just be honest with what you're looking for and have some kind of idea because we don't, we don't, we don't tell you what you want to do, what you're trying to do. You let us know we can, and we guide you to see how we can get you there because we believe and we support you. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. And mentorship, you know, it, it can be a crucial and critical to your journey a lot of times. And one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, when your mentor opens the door for you to share their network, it really is up to you to nourish and engage within that all the time. Mm-hmm. I you know? agree. But also anybody who knows me is that you get one. If I co-sign for you on something and you make me look like, a, you make me look bad, we're done. 
Like, I'm not going to be like, fuck you. This is this. I'm like, okay, this, this is as far as it's going to go. I'm going to share from here, from the back, but I'm not, I'm not putting my name on anything because especially now your name, your reputation, all that stuff is so important. It's so important. Everything has a painful trail. So people can look back and trace back. Oh, well, I hired a second such because Kiata Mency Parker said she was this, but then she turned out to be this. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. There are so many things, you know, that you can't fake, right? You can't fake right. hard work. I always say that you, you cannot you fake can't. hard work. You can't, you, you can't fake being a team player. It's so many things you, you can't fake. You really can't. That's why, you know, jobs like hospitality, teaching, nurses, those take special people mm-hmm. to do those things because who wants to stand in somebody's face every day and clean up after this person, listen to their crazy jokes, you know, and do who choose for pennies on a dollar who chooses to do this. And even people that start off doing it as, you know, kind of a quick fix or a way, a good amount of us stay because we genuinely enjoy it. We enjoy meeting new people. We enjoy awesome people. And you build these connections. Like, it's so crazy. My accountant for the garden was one of my regulars. Dustin followed me to three restaurants. And when I told him that, he was like, oh, shit, let me help you with this. And I was like, what? Um, okay. My lawyer was one of my regulars for the garden. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Um, even the way I got the land <laughs> was through an organization I used to do um, nonprofit stuff. For, well, not nonprofit stuff. I used to volunteer for their nonprofit events. And that's how I met my girl. Like it's, this world is so small and your reputation is everything. People aren't going to co-sign trash people. Like the fact that these people entrusted me with this piece of land, they're like, yeah, you can have it. Let's just, let's just do a memo from the standing. As long as you promise to do this, I promise this is yours. Who does that? Nobody does deals like that. Yeah, it's it's a hot spot. It's a hot ticket spot in East Atlanta Village. Sounds like it was written in the stars for you to pull all this together and to create this community. And once again, to create a legacy, not just for yourself, but for the bar community. Mm -hmm. It is something that is incredibly special. And it takes um, someone who's very bold to take that step off of that cliff to make it happen. Cause you could have just very easily said, I'm just going to go pick up some shifts at the bar and keep that, uh, this as a pipe dream, but you didn't do that. You know, you didn't do that. You really are making things happen. And when you're making things happen out of such a pure space, you're just helping so many people recognize their own potential, even though, you know, um, I think all your good work is coming full circle which Thank is, you. it's really, really amazing. It truly is. And I know it, it's got to be a tremendous labor of love. As it really well. is. It really is. And I'm so grateful. Like, you know, of course we're a nonprofit, so funding. So there are times I can't pay myself, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I have a husband who for the most part supports my shenanigans. Now I do pick and choose gigs that I do. Like I just came back from um, Charleston Food and Wine. Grey Goose hired me to manage all their pop-up bars. And, you know, I I pick and choose different things that I do. One, I do them because again, these are friends of mine that have these jobs open for and they, hey, he can use this money. Um, But then I'm just really grateful. I don't have to walk into somewhere and clock in like, oh, I hate this place. You know, I'm so grateful. I don't have that on me, but I'm very faithful in my thinking and my um, I'm very faithful in the hopes that everything will work out to a point that it will be a time when I'll be able to really pay myself a salary and I won't have to, I won't have to do anything I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So, and hopefully I can just keep having conversations and talking about the different circles that I'm in now, like with black land ownership and, um, ancestral grounds and heirloom seeds and glass to grass cocktails or glass to grass, grass to glass, grass to glass cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just these different things. And I want to keep expanding because for so long, and you know this, for so long working in service either meant you your your end goal was being a GM or to own your own restaurant or something like that. Just that was the thing. Yep. But now we have what podcasts, we are writing books, we have TV shows. Why can't we have a wellness garden to support our industry? Why can't we have these things? 
So I want these things and I'm going to fight to get them. Well, you're doing it, which is amazing. You're absolutely doing it. I would love our listeners to know. And, and I want to know, what do you grow in the garden? You mentioned briefly that, you know, you have a lot of herbs there. What else? Mm-hmm. And how was that decided? So before, like the last few years, um, each member had their own plot and the garden owned like seven plots. So people pretty much planted what they want. Um, I had a member who was an artist and she paint, she planted flowers so she could steep the petals so she could paint. Um, I also have a member that is vegan and her best friend um, makes soap. So all this, like she grew a lot of herbs, like brook grew, um, sage, mint, just pineapples, all these different things. And she also grew bell peppers and okra and tomatoes and her best friend Talia ate that. So they had a best friend's plot. And it's funny because um, Brooke is engaged to a guy named Brandon and Brandon's plot was across the way and Brandon wasn't allowed in their plot, but they were always in his plot. It was so, (laughs) it was hilarious. But um, in the previous years, we've grown corn. It was so funny. We grew corn and someone's like, are we making bourbon? I'm like, no, no, no. Um, We love corn and the seeds were free. So I don't, I don't know. So um, plenty of okra, plenty of tomatoes, um, all kinds of peppers. Um, And it's funny, peppers bloom late. So you plant them early and you really don't start getting them to like July, August, but you'll get them all the way to like December, which is so crazy. Um, But we grow flowers. I have a member that loves flowers. She doesn't care if it's one flower or two flowers. She loves flowers in her home. Um, so we had some sunflowers in there, um, zinnias. We have an azalea. We have two azalea bushes, actually. We have a hydrangea bush. We have lemongrass. We have all these things. And also one of our um, big brand sponsors, Grey Goose, their essence collection came out. So they have a plot with all the essence stuff in there. So there's strawberries. We have a, pe- a white peach tree. Um basil, watermelon, and the watermelon grew crazy. The watermelon pretty much swallowed everything else up. So we were, we were giving watermelon some weight. Like we had signs like, please take these. <laughs> they just grew crazy. But we also have aloe. Um, there is a member, I'm not going to say their name, that um, managed to sneak in an agave plant from somewhere. And um, we have an agave in the garden. And it's funny, I, we didn't realize that they, um, it's self-pollinated. So from the one agave plant, we now have six little ones. Wow. So, so crazy. Wow. That is yeah. so cool. And can a lot you, of stuff. Oh my gosh. And you mentioned a word that maybe our listeners aren't that familiar with. Can you explain what heirloom seeds are? Ah, so I discovered this when I was at a gardening convention. Yes, they have gardening conventions in car and, um, conferences. This was in Newport News. Um, there was a woman who has had the same seeds from when her great grandparents um, were slaves. And they brought the seeds over from wherever they were taken from. And every time, like in harvest, you're always getting ready for the next season. So they would save some of the seeds of some of the stuff that grew and they would save it and dry it and just keep replanting them. And she still has some of those seeds today. And it's stuff like um, speckled lima, lima beans, um, white okra, red okra, like all these different really cool things and all these really funky herbs. So just getting into stuff like that. So heirloom meaning general, continual, like just keep using them again and keep going with them. And one of the beauty things about, one of the beautiful things about heirloom, it never really looks the same. Like even if you look at heirloom tomatoes, Y'all look different. So, and there are heirloom greens, heirloom roots, all these different things. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful to be a part of something like that. Like you're, you're just still connecting yourself to your ancestors or someone's ancestors or just to the past so we can move forward. So it's so cool. I love it. I think that that's really cool. And I hope that you get to continue that. Can you tell me um, once again, where our listeners can find you, where they can find the garden um, online and, you know, is it open for donations? You know, give me a little bit background on how my listeners can support you. Um, Hell yes, for donations. Thank you. 
please and thank you. Thank you and please and give please and thank you. <laughs> um, but the garden is located at 572 Stokewood Avenue, Southeast Atlanta, Georgia, 30316. Um, as far as social media, you can definitely follow us on Instagram. It's a sip of paradise garden. Um, also, if you follow me, I'm always talking about the garden. So my Instagram is pictures and cocktails. Um, and it's just also, it's really exciting. We have a website too. So it's www.asipofparadisegarden.org. So any of those ways they can reach us. Um, we have a Venmo business account. We also have PayPal. And if you want, I get a PO box email a check, but you know, or I could send it to you, you know, just letting people know there are plenty of ways that they can, they can help plant seeds in our garden. And it's just really awesome. Like we've been offered more spaces and I got offered five acres in Serenby, like insane. Serenby, I got offered two acres in Hayville, an acre in East Point, half an acre in Vine City, which is a hot, hot, hot market right now. In fact, the person that owns that property is actually a former bartender. And he was saying how he got offered $200,000 for the land. He was like, I won't give those motherfuckers a penny. I want to save it and do something good with this land. I was like, why don't you just build a house? He was like, no, nah, I don't want to do all that. He was like, but you can have it if you want it. I was like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you're not going to take the establishment's money. You don't want to build a house, but you're going to give it to me. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Like, who, who believes in their friends like that? Like, I'd rather you have it than take this $200,000. I do believe, though, when you put good work out there, goodness comes back to you. And obviously, that is exactly what's happening. <laughs> and I think that the garden is just going to continue to grow, um, hopefully, country, you know, across the country, right? There's been some interest in there, too. There's um, a possible project in D.C., as well as Louisiana and San Francisco. So it's also one of those things, like who would have thought this would be what I would be doing right now, you know? Who would have thought yeah. this would have been it? But also those things, you know, they take money, but you don't want to say no to something, an opportunity. You're like, oh, wow, that sounds great. So it's almost like I'm having to table things. And then I also don't want to burn out. Burnout is real. It is real. It's a real thing. So it's good that you're just putting, you know, one foot in front of the other but you're doing some great work. And I am so excited to have um, to have met you and have had you on Served Up. Kiata, I want to wish you just, oh my goodness, just such good health at this time and a whole lot of peace. And just thank you so much for coming on Served Up. Thank you so much for having me. I would take those things. I want you to have those things as well because Health and peace is where it's at. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. <laughs>